The Beginning, 18th of November, 1918, by Rosa Luxemburg. The revolution has begun. What is needed now is not jubilation about what has been achieved, nor triumphalism about the defeat of the enemy, but the strictest self-criticism and an indefatigable concentration of energy in order to continue the work which has begun. What has been achieved is small, and the enemy has not been defeated. What has been achieved? The monarchy has been swept away, and the highest powers of government have passed into the hands of workers' and soldiers' representatives. But the monarchy was never the real enemy. It was only a façade, a frontispiece of imperialism. It was not the Hohenzollerns who unleashed the world war who set alight all four corners of the world and who brought Germany to the brink of the abyss. Like every bourgeois government, the monarchy was only the executive agent of the ruling classes. The imperialist bourgeoisie, capitalist class rule, that is the criminal who must be called to account for the carnage. The abolition of the rule of capital and the realisation of a socialist order of society this, and nothing less than this, is the historical theme of the current revolution. This mighty act cannot be accomplished in a single moment of time by a few decrees passed down from above. It can be carried out only through the conscious action of the mass of urban and rural workers. It can be guided through storms and reach its harbour only as a result of the highest intellectual maturity and the inexhaustible idealism of the popular masses. The goal of the revolution clearly shows the path to be followed. The task gives rise to the method. All power into the hands of the working masses, into the hands of the workers' and soldiers' councils. Protection of the work of the revolution from its enemies who lie in wait. This is what must guide all measures taken by the revolutionary government. Like a compass, every step and every act of the government must point in the one direction. Extension and renewal of the local workers' and soldiers' councils, so that the first chaotic and impulsive manifestations of their creation are replaced by a conscious process of understanding their role in the goals, tasks and paths of the revolution. These representative bodies of the masses to be in permanent session and real political power to be transferred from the small committee of the executive council to the broader basis of the workers' and soldiers' councils. Immediate convocation of a national parliament of workers and soldiers in order to constitute the proletarians of all Germany as a class and as a compact political power, to act as the guardian of the revolution and give further impetus to its work. Immediate organisation of the rural proletariat and smallholders, not the farmers who as a class have been outside of the revolution until now. Creation of a proletarian red guard for the permanent protection of the revolution and training a workers' militia so that the entire proletariat is ready to stand guard at all times. Dissolution of the old organs of the absolutist military police state, administration, justice and army. 
immediate confiscation of dynastic wealth, property and estates as a provisional initial measure to guarantee food for the people, since hunger is the most dangerous ally of the counter-revolution. Immediate convocation of a Workers' World Congress in Germany in order to sharply and distinctly emphasise the socialist and international character of the revolution. For the future of the German revolution is anchored solely in the international, the world revolution of the proletariat. This list comprises only the first necessary steps. But what is the current revolutionary government doing? It is leaving the state intact from top to bottom as an administrative organ in the hands of yesterday's pillars of Hohenzollern absolutism and tomorrow's tools of the counter-revolution. It is convening the Constituent National Assembly and thereby creates a bourgeois counterweight to the representation of the workers and soldiers. In doing so, it is shunting the revolution onto the tracks of a bourgeois revolution and spiriting away the socialist goals of the revolution. It is doing nothing to destroy the continuing power of capitalist class rule. It is doing everything it can to placate the bourgeoisie, to proclaim the sacred nature of private property and to safeguard the inviolability of capital. It is leaving in peace the counter-revolution to gather its forces at every stage without appealing to the masses and without loudly warning the people. Law, order, order, law. This is what reverberates from all directions and from all the government's proclamations. These are the cheers which echo from all quarters of the bourgeoisie. The outcry against the bogeyman of anarchy and putschism, that well-known hellish music of the bourgeoisie which is concerned only for its money coffers, property and profits, strikes the loudest note of the day. But the revolutionary workers and soldiers government peacefully tolerates this general march towards the launch of an offensive against socialism. In fact, in both word and deed, it participates in it. The result of the first week of the revolution is as follows. Nothing fundamental has changed in the Hohenzollern state. The workers and soldiers government functions as a representative of the bankrupt imperialist government. Everything it does and does not do is determined by its fear of the working masses. Even before the revolution has gained in strength, impetus and momentum, its only vital force, its socialist and proletarian character, is being spirited away. Order rules everywhere. The reactionary state of the civilised world will not become a revolutionary people state within the space of 24 hours. Soldiers who yesterday acted as the gendarmes of reaction and murdered revolutionary proletarians in Finland, Russia, Ukraine and the Baltic states and workers who calmly allowed this to happen, in the space of 24 hours they have not become standard barriers of socialism with a clear understanding of their goals. The picture of the German revolution corresponds to the inner maturity of conditions in Germany. Scheidemann Ebert are the appointed government of the German Revolution at its current stage. And the independents, who believe that they can achieve socialism with Scheidemann Ebert, and solemnly swear in the pages of Freiheit 
that a purely socialist government can be formed with them, they thereby demonstrate that they are the appropriate partners for this firm in this initial provisional stage. But revolutions do not stand still. By their very nature, they advance rapidly and outgrow themselves. The revolution is already being driven forwards from its initial stage by its internal contradictions. The current situation can be understood only as a beginning, as a condition which is unsustainable in the long term. If the counter-revolution is not to gain the upper hand all along the line, the masses must be on their guard. A beginning has been made. What happens next is not in the hands of the dwarves who want to hold up the course of the revolution and put a spoke in the wheel of world history. What is on the agenda of world history today is realisation of the ultimate goal of socialism. The German revolution has entered upon the path marked out for it by this guiding light. Step by step, through storm and stress, through struggle and suffering, through misery and victory, it will advance to its goal. It must. Original. Der Anfang. Die Rotofana, number 3, 18th of November, 1918. Translation, Stan Crook. <laughs>